what's going on? What's up, man? Tell me about, uh, please tell me everything you know about NYC. About New- uh, <laughs> yes, I want I want an update. How okay. is the, how is the Big Apple? Give me uh, give me a rundown here. Well, it was it was great, uh, and that's why we were off last week because I was uh, in New York City uh, visiting for the first time in a few years. It was good to get back, get back in the village, you know, get back on our feet. The weather was gorgeous. Uh, spending days in Washington Square Park and just, you know, walking around, wandering the city, going to old, uh, you know, taverns from 1880, whatever. Uh, just, just amazing. Just amazing. Uh, Conversation, yeah. right? It's like a Linklater film set in New yeah. York, right? Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you just walk around, you know, Jill and I just walk around and we have a few plans for things like shows and whatnot. But I mean, other than that, we just sort of wander around and see what we can get into. So what'd you see? Tell me the show. Tell me about, you know, you, you got, you got to spill oh, some of this. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So we saw uh, uh, the preview of uh, David Byrne's new one, Here Lies Love. Um, which is Everyone crazy. in the theater world is talking about that show. So, well, I, I hope, I hope it improves because it was a, <laughs> it was a solid C plus. Oh, um, wow. Okay. All right. Uh, That's good. a hot take. That's a hot take, Dr. Hayes. Well, the, the music was fine, of course, okay. you know, okay. but I mean, at the end of the day, you're left with this story about, you know, the rise of Imelda Marcos. You just kind of shrug and go, who cares about these people? Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. uh, yeah. Or why should we care about these well, people, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like that's obviously that that component was uh, was not there, and I think that's something yeah. every all of us would probably most of us would probably need that, right? When entering a well, yeah, um, I mean, they they do a fantastic job of rethinking how to you know incorporate the audience and the seating. You know, they've they've basically made the place a club. And there's a giant dance floor that moves all the way around. And they have people who are actually, you know, paying people who stand around the right, actual right, action. You know what right. I mean? Um, were was, you all was, seated or I was going to ask that. Were you all no, seated? No, no, we were seated up in the mezzanine. Yeah. Um, the, the, the other problem they need to fix, and again, it's in previews. So right, they, they, right. these are things that can be fixed. Um, some of the action comes to the, to the, to the downstage wall of what I would consider the downstage wall. Uh, and, and that our view was a, a, sort of blocked. Like we couldn't see what was going on. And, right. you know, th- there was multimedia uh, in the show, like live video feeds, like an old, like trying to reenact television interviews and things like that. It had some really cool components. Alex. So it was media. It was media commenting on itself, right? Like this it was media, media commenting like, on right, itself. Right. Okay. Um, you know, Alex Timbers, who also originally directed Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, uh-huh. uh, David Burns, other uh, show uh, is seriously talented, dude. Um, right. You know, he, he he knows what he's doing, but they they have some kinks to work out. And, and I hope well, they do, um, because I, I, I love I love David Byrne. I love his mission statement in life that things are OK and that we can focus on things that are, you know, beautiful and better. But, you know, this. This story just just didn't it just fell flat and and you know for me mm. at least and and for Jill too because we were both kind of choking it's just like where do here lies love what what are you talking about like mm. <laughs> we're kind of mm. confused you know I'm mm. just like I don't mm. I don't get well, it well you know? I mean do you think it's a situation where uh, it's lost in the concept a little bit too much and it yeah. needs to come back to focusing on just the story well yeah they'll fix that yeah yeah yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I I eagerly await the opening. I want to read the Times review 
you know, and, and find out how, how the actual Broadway opening goes. Right. So, yeah, but, uh, well, I had been reading about it. So I was really fascinated, uh, to hear that you all were going to get to see that because I would akin to, cause you know, we were talking about in previous podcast, uh, spam a lot and just how shows in process, like theater is just such a different process, right. Yes. Um, of development. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it would be akin to like coming onto a set and watching them, you know, do choreography, fight choreography or setting up a shot or, you know, they're not like, this is kind of the, the, the stage that they're at in this process. They're in previews and they're getting ready to right. launch Unveil. and open. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So well, it's, you're on, really on the, getting the, a sneak peek. It's cool. You know, cause you're seeing the process. Yeah. You, you are seeing the process and they went through the show. There was no stoppages. So that was good. Like yeah. it was, it was worked out. You did know? they tell you that they might have to stop for some reason? They did or? not, but I've okay, been to okay. previews before. Yeah, so, sure. You know, sure. So, there's, yeah. There's stoppages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, uh, burn, and he was there. He he eventually was making his way into the crowd below on the floor. You okay. know, you could pick that little head out, you know, of, of, of him. But um, speaking of multimedia making its way into the theater, we went to an experimental theater show while we were there in Alphabet ooh, City. Oh, I love it. I love it. What were they and doing? It was, it was all green screen and puppetry. And, but but I will say this. Was Jim Henson's ghost there somewhere, or no, or no, 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 Frank no. Oz, like over in the corner? This was this was an experiment. This, these guys had been working on for a few years that started during the pandemic when they were homebound and they okay. were trying to figure out how to do theater from home. Sure. So they basically taught themselves green screen and how to do okay. all this stuff. I will say it is very distracting, and I don't consider it theater when I have to keep watching a screen. Mm. on the stage oh. instead of the actual actors oh my dr hayes that's quite a i know we're quite, going, you're, I, you are you got hot takes today i said I, well, we need I know, to I, into I, new york every weekend is what we need to do i know so sponsor um, us uh and we'll do it sponsor us nyc tourism that's we're right to, there you go we're happy there, to go there you go um but no it was it was it was distracting and, and i'm not trying to be a purist right but i i found it i mean what well, they did what? was incredible. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, you, you know, it, it was a science fiction story, you know, on a different planet. And, you know, just two guys. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm well, also like, getting over a cold. It's like <laughs> waiting, waiting for Godot on Mars with green screens and puppets. Uh, it, kind of. <laughs> it was based on a, it was based on a Stanislaw Lim short story about the robots that uh are uprising themselves and coming to sit uh, but they find out that they're all humans underneath <laughs> uh you know as... <laughs> ha ha humanity wins oh, humanity yeah. humanity ha 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 it was humans AI. all the time yeah, yeah. You know, well, um, people went down to the titanic and died oh. <laughs> oh, oh my i hope we don't get any letters on that one um i hope we do i hope we do um so yeah i mean i I enjoy, I know that you, the genie's out of the bottle. Oh yeah. But I, I just think of, you know, I was thinking too about like the way when we saw Dear Evan Hansen in London and that's a multimedia show with yes. more traditional, th- you know, I just, I find myself just getting distracted. I mean, it, you're, you're getting ready to mount a theater show with multimedia. I mean, how are you oh, thinking yeah. about all this? Well, I'm still thinking. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, I, for the most part, you know, I'm dealing with Dracula, 
right? Which is a very classic text, but um, the version that I'm doing is a feminist uh, revenge fantasy. That's literally in the title. So this is a brand new script. And so, you know, uh, it's daunting, challenging, because I have a very small, I have a tight space, right? But no, I'm thinking about uh, multimedia in the sense of... Um, three-dimensional kinds of mapping projecting so that you know it's kind of like trying to merge what they're doing with um mandalorian and some of the sort of real engine gaming effects where you can sort the of curtain. swipe swipe right and yes like the just manipulating the curtain but but trying to focus on making it an immersive environment right that doesn't right. ring so traditional theatrical proscenium staging right which yeah. is what you i mean it's so it's kind of like but not but in some way paying homage to that tradition because that's where dracula was you know was sort of born you know i mean yeah uh, yeah and and, and 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 again i i'm i'm i am for it I'm theatrically just, i mean that's where I, it was I, yeah born, and right? i i'm just i'm just wary you know because i, I it's going to take so long to to find that right balance i think oh it's um, it's tremendously challenging i mean yeah. i've done i've done shows already uh shamed in 2016 was a brand new show and it was uh you know it involved um live streaming pre-recorded media mm -hmm. uh stuff that was coming from social media apps so you had to sort of like have that on a screen and that right. you know but the way that i battled it was whenever i used media for the most part media took the stage there wasn't anything else going on it's right. like that screen was lit it is literally the performer in that moment so pay attention to that you know mm -hmm. any other time you treat it as if it's the chorus or the background right and it's right. so then it's got to behave accordingly so you might tell your actors upstage hey don't have that big of a reaction because it's sucking focus up there and I need focus down here. You, mm -hmm. Same thing applies to the screens. You don't want it sucking your focus out of something that should be more uh, yeah. of the focus in the story. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mugging. And we don't want anybody mugging or upstaging. No, no not mugging even, or not even you, Mr. Media. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I mean, that's, that's how you sort of have to play with it. I think at least directorially. Um but no, I was I was really really fascinated uh, to to hear some of this. I mean, I knew mm -hmm. that I absolutely love New York City. I just uh, I I only want to visit. I, I could never live sure. there. Um, oh, same. But uh, but I respect the people who do, and um, I certainly um, you know you you go there and you expect to see the best, right? The cutting, especially in theater. Well, I mean, it's, well, it's, you go and you you expect it's it's the arts in general you know, in the live arts. And, you know, we went to the Village Vanguard and saw live jazz, which, by the way, mm. people, you got to go. I, it, it's just one of the most acoustically perfect rooms I've ever sat in, in all of my travels. And mm. I listened to the Fred Hirsch piano trio, and it was such a delight. But, you know, such a treat. okay, I'm going to counter that for a second, right? Sure. Because I think you had a very specific type of jazz experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Uh, that only New York City can create similar to the way that if you step into, say, the spotted cat on Frenchman Street in New Orleans. Yes. Which I've you're going to get a jazz experience. Right. You're going to get a music experience. It's just going to be one that you can only find in New Orleans. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But I just think that's cool the way New York, though, you know, and Marsalis has talked about this, too, about how they mm -hmm. have, you know, 
those different spaces and venues and those different crowds and those different vibes that come. Well, I mean, from- we were we were even at a cafe in Alphabet City having lunch and there was a guy, just a solo jazz guitarist who was playing that afternoon in the club. Beautiful. I bet he was just, amazing. He yeah. was, he, yeah, he just, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, his probably his, you know, second of five gigs of the day. Yeah, exactly. You know, but he was just, yeah. just going along, man, playing standards just with I, no. I can't, a, su- a Sunday can't be a rest day because I play the churches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had his little Venmo, you know, uh, ID so that you could just, so you could tip him. And it, it was, it was just great. It just, it just felt good to be one walking around again. The arts two, are alive. The arts are alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. You know, just to be interacting again. We're still here. Yeah. We're still here. We are still here. Uh, and we are still here. Uh, we're Lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. Aside from New York City, uh, it kind of fits in this week because this week is all about the road trip, my friend. Uh, and we're going for all the feels all the feels with these two films this week uh this week we watched starman 1984 directed by john carpenter starring jeff bridges and karen allen in paris texas also from 1984 directed by win winders starring harry dean stanton dean stockwell and Nastasia kinski mm. i want to start with starman mm. um because it had been it had been a spell since i had watched it and <laughs> i just oh boy remember how much i just fell in love with it all over oh good 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 Uh, (laughs) yeah i i did too i'm always i'm always happy to know that you know that it's held up um i you know of course you always worry right about um movies and uh, especially movies by directors that are so important to you uh or to one uh self uh personally and so um interesting story that i think will kick off starman um, and I don't know, I'm going to need you to really sort of guide me so that okay. I don't go off the rails because you know that I can talk about John Carpenter for, we could be here for like seven hours and I, I you know, we get through maybe the first third of his career. Right. 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 Um, I mean, I've done a lot of work on him. Yes. Um, You've done and, a tremendous amount of writing and research and have had the opportunity to meet and interview him. And so it's been a nice, you know, relationship almost got to have him at Ted in uh, TEDxLSU in 2014 um but uh he ended up going to shoot uh his schedule conflicts he was very interested um uh in uh in doing it but um uh he was getting ready to do the ward John Carpenter's the yeah, ward which, which is actually the last film. yeah it was the last thing that he's directed um and so uh the and they were shooting right at that time and he had committed and and wasn't able to do it uh he's just a wonderful person and he's been a a a great inspiration to me as well as you know millions of other people i mean i'm you know i'm uh, right like i'm I'm one of of millions of of fans of his um which which is hard to believe because it's again you know he's he would be considered a cult status director Mm-hmm. you know or even a niche director um mm-hmm. and and i feel fine giving him niche and or genre director yeah. a tag but let me ask you this about starman you know starman is weird because it 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 was work for hire right like it was it was basically the thing had tanked christine had done okay but, yeah christine done fine yeah had done was- okay so but here we don't have our usual we, no there's no dean cundy 
uh, Carpenter's not doing his own score. It's Jack Nietzsche who's who's doing it. You know, he's he's working with a different group of people. So so this was a work for hire, or am I misreading that? Yeah. Um, no, I think I think that's one hundred percent. You know, Michael Douglas was the executive producer on this project, and um, uh, the script um, writers uh, Bruce and Reynold uh, Gideon they. Um, you know, they would go on to work on Stand By Me later on uh, in, in 86 in the Columbia sort of relationship that they had going on there. So I do think it was very much a a job for hire. And I think um, from what I know, from and, and when I say that, I mean, from what I've either read that he said or whether he said, you know, in, a, in an interview directly to me, um, and that is that Starman was a wonderful vehicle for him because it allowed him to to for once not be again a horror director right Right. um and i and you so so that's what i think initially makes starman a little bit uh more unique and special is that you're really getting to see more of his um kind of just free spirit like the way that he sort of sees the world differently um (laughs) so it's you know so it's framed differently it moves differently but yet it still has this sort of signature style that you you see it and you go only carpenter would have chose to shoot it that way like in that moment um you know uh you know we're not going to cut back and see him flying off at the end you know we're going to stay on her i mean it's so beautiful just making those choices that are you know um he lights he lights karen allen so beautifully in the second half of that film. I mean, there, well, remember, there was literally a moment I came off the couch, Jill was sitting next to me, I said, I screamed at the television, I said, that's how you fucking backlight somebody. Yeah, I mean, and and he will tell you, I highly recommend everyone, uh, if you really love this movie, um, that you should, uh, you know, you should get the Blu-ray. There's a just a fantastic commentary by Carpenter and Jeff Bridges on it. Carpenter loved Karen Allen, um, and and I mean that in, in the sense that she he just thought that she was the consummate like professional on this film. That he he felt like she's the one that really makes it work. Uh, she's the one that sells it because you know, and, and he's right. I mean, you know, Jeff Bridges is wonderful, and he's doing all of his shtick, and he's doing the best he can, and it's wonderful. But without that reaction, without that believability, as she you know jenny represents us you know we're you know we're the ones with her encountering this alien and so uh there's such a a humanness to it you know um Mm -hmm. and such an empathy uh and it's compounded by the fact that it looks i mean it's it's her former husband it's her it's her (laughs) re come back to life you know so maybe maybe uh just for those of uh who don't know the story of starman yes um, please give us give us it's in cap uh we it's it's uh the it's the story about uh uh jenny hayden who's a young lady who um is a, a recent widow um and uh her husband scott looked a lot like jeff bridges uh and so um one night a uh a spacecraft crashes uh, literally in the mountains behind her house and um, finds uh, a sample of her dead husband's DNA and is uh, transformed from alien to human form uh, through a really kick-ass, you know, ILM uh, effect sequence um, 
uh, you know, they were really, really uh, getting at it, right? ILM with this movie. Um, uh, into uh, her, her, what looks like her former husband, he transforms yeah. into him. And so the movie is about, uh, is a road movie about Jenny agreeing to, uh, you know, at first, uh, you know, reluctantly, but eventually uh, out of empathy and love, uh, tries to get him home, basically, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, they have three he, days. Just like E.T., uh, Starman doesn't have, um, you know, a whole lot of time left, right? Um, yeah. And so the movie is really about sort of their two to three days on the road of 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 getting uh, Starman back to to his people, back to home, right? Why, why, why do we, why are we so gravitate? Why do we gravitate towards the road trip movie? Like the, you know, what, what is mm. it? Is it? And I'm going to get into this a little bit too when we get into the Winders film because I think that there's a European absolute fascination still even to this day with the wide expanse of of Mm -hmm. america yeah um what what's your take like do you well i think it's just that sense of chaos and adventure right i mean i i think that's for me that's what it is when you road movie to me means that there's going to be a road trip and it's going to be a journey and there's going to be adventures and mishaps and craziness Mm -hmm. and i think here's the key the the sort of the um um unpredictability of like what's gonna happen right it's chaotic right you can you can plan you can you know well we've got all of our supplies or whatever right but you but you just you just don't ever know yeah you know what what's gonna happen so it's comedic it can be uh scary it can be uh melodramatic right uh it can be romantic so it, there's a flexibility to that story form i think the unpredictability of it the chaos the adventure that's what draws me to road movies what about you uh i i like the reflective part of it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. because i spent so much of my youth growing up traveling with my dad who was a truck driver i'd spend a lot of time in the summers riding with him uh and seeing america and seeing the highways and it gave me a understanding of what most of his generation sort of longed for right to 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 get out on the road on the road you know the Kerouac book uh which by the way not a great book um but it it you know that but that that sense like you said that sense of adventure that longing the chaos um running away from conventionality Mm -hmm. um trying to escape uh, 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 boxes designed for you mm-hmm. uh, that you can reinvent yourself constantly. Mm-hmm. I think that that's that's what I always try to, or that's what attracts me to the road uh, movie. The promise of something different or change. Yeah, or or, or mm-hmm. showing that we still have the ability to do so. Yeah, you know, you you need to have that tap on the shoulder every now sure. and then to remind you that. No matter how static you feel in your life, you know, you can change your life tomorrow. It's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is always. I think that's always a. a it's reassuring. It's, yeah. it's reassuring. Right. It's, yeah. oh, it's no, absolutely. reassuring. Um, you know, and uh, I, I certainly think that the immediacy of it, for sure, you know, it's like, it, you know, that it promises you something. And so it's well, it's it. There comes that excitement of. um watching this experience on a screen and living vicariously through it, it's somehow going to change me as well. And I think that plays into the reflection part of it for me afterwards um, is, uh, you know, 
oftentimes in, in movies, when I see characters reflecting, I'm trying to like empathize with them. Right. I'm trying, I'm thinking, I'm going, have I had an experience like that? You know, like, have I, you know, is there anything in my life that I can relate to that? Sometimes there is, and sometimes there isn't. Right. But, um, but I think that's that reflection process, right? Is that too deep film theory today? Not, or, not but, at all. Okay. I, I hope not, because we're going there. The <laughs> psychoanalytic critics are going, it's the apparatus, it's the apparatus. Um uh I you know, I, I just think that um, you know, uh I spent a lot of time recently talking to a student about Oliver Stone's work, mm-hmm. and um, because this student had pointed out how in Born on the Fourth of July, you know, at the very early on, we see him like watching the veterans in the parade. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, we see him, of course, in the parade, looking out and seeing a boy his age from that earlier moment. And I I described to the student, I said, is there those moments of refrain, right? It's like a poetic kind of thing. It's a poetry um, tactic but you're just doing you're just seeing it in cinema storytelling right where you see that moment refrain although you see the changes right and what's happened right and whether it's come true or it's not come true right um and i think that those moments in movies like starman in paris texas the i mean the, these movies jeff are visually beautiful Yes, I was trying to. There were so I was so glad that you picked the uh, the one that you did because it matches so well, but then yet deviates in other ways uh, so significantly, right? I mean, two t- seemingly totally different genres, right? Mm-hmm. Um, between Starman and 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 Paris, Texas, but sure, Starman is um, more grounded, I guess, in science fiction. There is, you know. Um, a component to it uh, that you would see in most science fiction films, um, both the military and the scientific community respond right. to Starman's arrival, and they both have differing viewpoints on how to handle said, um, you know, a visit from. Is it Star a visit Man. or is it an invasion? Right. Um, that's classic wheelhouse. Yeah, Carpenter yeah. grew up with those characters, you know. With the day the earth stood still, yes. all that stuff. You it's know? all there. And I, I think it's, I think really um, uh, the science fiction is background to yes. Starman. I think Starman is a, you know, is a road it, movie. It's, well, a, it's her, a, it's her story. Carpenter right? called like, it affectionately a girl's movie, which I think is really funny because I, I, he's right. Right. I mean, it's, it's intended mm-hmm. anyway to be, um, you know, a, a heavily romantic story and, um, but it's her story about her own journey. Yeah, and change. Right. Like she, it's, she would not change if she doesn't go on this trip. Right. You know, her life does not change. Her life may get worse for all we know. So I, 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 again, the, the importance of, of getting in, in the vehicle and going and being forced at first, of course, but then she willingly accepts it um, after a while that, that, you know, and of course that we could even break that even down into more is just like, these are direct metaphors for, you know, how we struggle with change uh, which, which is, you know, true also. Yes. Um, but you know, life, uh, unfortunately in real life, we don't have the capability to, uh, do, uh, uh, fade to blacks or, uh, uh, quick, quick cuts. So. Not yet. Unfortunately. Not yet. Yeah, not, yet. Yeah, not yet. Um, 
but yeah, you're 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 right um about her journey and um I think that's where the beauty and the humanity are allowed to come in because this is a movie where the alien is not threatening, you know, it's not looking to take over, it's, you know, just inquisitive, it's curious, it wants to learn. I think, you know, in, in essence, Starman just kind of like wants to find out what the secret to humanity's success is in his eyes. And, you know, it's kind of expressed in that beautiful little cafe scene at the end, you know, when he he says the, you know, we've been here to know what, well, and, and the, do you want to know what I find best mm. about your people? And as you know, you're at your best when things are at their worst. And Carpenter on the commentary it's really funny because when when that line comes out he's he's just spent like five minutes describing how much struggle it was to get the light right and shooting that scene that day and then um and he says that uh it was just kind of nailed in like one or two takes and Charles Martin Smith right like yeah, yeah. well he loves Charlie Smith he, t- he, t- he talked very fondly about both of them did about how just they actually spent a, several minutes talking about never cry wolf Thank you. Uh, which was yeah, yeah, People and how amazing that. Yeah, oh my god! Yeah, how amazing that movie is, and how amazing he is in that movie, and the commitment you know to getting that movie captured. Um, but yeah, that that um, Carpenter said, you know, I'm not sure I believe that, but I want to, and 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 yeah. uh, and it was really interesting because that led them to talking about whether they you know believed in extraterrestrial life, uh, you know, period. Um, but that's that's certainly, I think, pointed to as one of the more poignant moments in the movie emotionally. And then, of course, um, during the course of their journey, they have, you know, various encounters. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think we can point to a few as being different. Right. I think sure. in some ways I like to describe this as, you know, kind of Carpenter's apologia to the public because I think he was really hurt. I, I really do um, by the reception of the thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's so ironic now because he's getting such great validation now because it's, it's a classic now, but you know, the thing did not do well and, and it really did, I think, stigmatize him. Yeah. And so I think he wanted to show the world that he's not some perverse or a violence or HR you know, Giger. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, yeah. But I mean, you you know what I mean? Like I, I do, I think it was his apology and a way of saying I can be, you know, this is really more, you know, my speed as well. I'm just a storyteller. Like I'm not some heartless person Yeah. Um, because it, it is a beautiful movie. So the deer scene is, is oh, beautiful. the way, um, he, the way he stages that is just so, yeah, it's just so fantastic. It's beautiful. And they described how they did that, like ethically and how PETA was there and gave the deer a shot and, Jeff Bridges uh, describes that moment as, you know, how he kind of has the deer down on the ground and, yeah. his hands are, and then he kind of takes his hands off and kind of mm-hmm. like sweeps it. And he said the deer did all of that on its own. Nice. That he was just, and that the deer got up on its own and walked off, but that it was not something that he was trying to, he wasn't like, pushing it or urging it to move or, or or anything so it's just i guess one of those contingent moments so well just it just seems um, like everything seemed to work for carpenter and starman yeah. like it, it just you know by by trying by willingness to happen for himself like that these things work did rob Bottin work on this show or did he know. not i don't because i was thinking about the baby transformation 
uh, early on, and I was just wondering if if that had been if he had done any work on that. No, sir. That was uh, Mr. Rick Baker. Uh, that was working, all Rick Baker okay. working with uh, ILM. Yeah, that's that's why it looked as sharp. Ex- extending as it did, the American Werewolf in London. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, I, he, you know, uh, definitely was the best in the business then. So you know, it's no surprise to me that ILM, you know, was swiping him up at every every chance they could to hire him um but yeah so, uh so um dear moment and then i guess the baby moment right i mean we should, baby we, should we should at least mention that one because uh those train scenes are beautiful um you know and and uh there's just that sweet tender moment where he tells her that he's given her a baby and mm-hmm. you know previous to that we had learned that she and her uh, former husband had had been trying to have kids but they couldn't that it was a problem with her yeah basically and, she had been told um, she was barren right and um and so all of a sudden he says you know hey guess what i you know i i, I put a baby in you and she's like no 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 you know but mm-hmm. turns out you know that's true it's true right so yeah. um you know there's this um I don't know. I've seen people talk about that from a, you know, um, uh, religious, um, you know, a metaphor, uh, and then um, sure. you know, the sort of miracle birth kind of thing. And I've heard um, some people rail against it. Um, I read a really interesting feminist piece on Starman one time where um, the author really talked about how it's a uh, uh an absentee father fantasy story and how mm-hmm. you know it's just the idea that you know you can just come get us a, a girl pregnant sure. and then go run off on your spaceship and not take any responsibility for the you know um for for your actions and um and i i remember uh responding to that article and gently saying well there was a a, a 24 episode season uh on television the, the television show yes where he returns where he returns uh and uh and and tries to help that situation so um uh yeah i mean i, I just i still think that starman uh, holds up it 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 just warms your heart it's a sweet tender movie um that has just some excellent performances uh, you know bridges was nominated for a best actor uh oscar for it uh which both of them said was just a complete like they just did not anticipate that they would get that level of 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 respect for the work um they said it came out christmas um 1984 it was a 1984 christmas release and it just kind of built you know it, it it spread it was back at a time when the movie theaters would actually let something live in the movie theaters for you know four to six weeks so it could catch you know traction um why why is it you think that we don't remember it as well as his other films even though it was a successful film um you know in the zeitgeist i guess in general when we think of john carpenter of course we think of halloween or we think of escape from new york or we think of um uh, uh memoirs of invisible man uh even as flawed a film as it is you know why why is Starman lost in the shuffle? It's so I think because it's um it offers probably his most hopeful, optimistic stance. I mean, it's probably his warmest movie, right? And um, so I think it resides on that sort of 
polarized end of any director's work, right? Where if they have a really, you know, strong body of work and they've done a lot of, of projects, then you can usually see a scale, right? To where, you know, there's some that are sort of like darker and you know, less hopeful. And then there's, you know, the ones on the, on the other end, or at least one that, uh, you know, that creates the scale. Um, so that's probably one of it because, you know, he just gets pigeonholed as, as this guy who did horror movies and um, yeah. he didn't just do horror movies. I mean, you know, Elvis is beautiful. It's a mm -hmm. fantastic movie, um, you know, and he's, he has worked in other genres. So I just think you, you gotta, you know, you gotta sort of be willing to, to explore and, and see stuff. And I, I think it also may get washed up too with um, E.T. You know, I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. I think uh, a lot of those movies and they were, God, Jeff, you know, how many alien movies did we get? And I, by that, I'm, you know, I don't mean Ridley Scott. I mean, like alien yeah. stories did yeah. we get in the 1980s? I mean, there were just so many. Well, built on the back of E.T.'s success. Yes. Everyone was trying to, you know, create their own E.T. phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And that's uh, that's hard to do. I will say that uh, about Starman, uh, my closing thought on Starman is this. You could never ask for a better ending shot in that film than what he gives us. I mean, that's that's like a filmmaker's dream to go out with that music cue, fade to just go to black, cut from her beautiful face. It's beautiful I, music. I just yeah. Let's talk about Jack Nietzsche for a second, yeah. just for a quick sec. Um, why turn it over to somebody? I mean, Carpenter's got the chops, man. Like, uh, yeah, I just think, like he's always said, he's um, he's going to do it when it's necessary because he's the cheapest. But you know, I mean, I think he's always willing to to collaborate. Um, you know, Morricone did the score for the, did thing, the score thing, you know? yeah. So, um, so he's, I mean, he's he's had moments where he's worked with um, with other composers, but. Um, Certainly, when he's doing his own score, it's gonna you know it's gonna have that that style. But um, but yeah, he's worked with uh, Shirley Walker and um, yeah, a couple couple of others, Dave Davies, um, mm -hmm. uh, of the Kinks, I think. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm not a huge music guy, but I think I know that. Um, <laughs> I'm just making sure, you know. Um, yeah, there was something else I was going to say though about. Oh yes, I was going. I was going to tell you the quarter story, right? So okay. Starman was 1984, right? Paris, Texas was 1984. 1984. We've mentioned on this podcast that there's something about 1984. <sighs> it's yeah, locked that. in. Yeah, I don't know what it is, right? Because I think it started with Air, right? This season mm -hmm. when we were talking about Air. Uh, we're walking in the parking lot at Kroger the other day. Zoe looks down. She sees a quarter. She picks it up. And she says, you know, can you know, can I keep it? I'm like, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get in the car. It's quarter from 1984. Crazy. What is going on in the universe with 1984? I don't, I don't know. I, I just I the Starman music swelled in my head when she handed me that quarter. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is the it's the 1984? I don't know. It's just it's I haven't figured it's... it out yet. So it's it's the summer of 1984. <laughs> it's Van Halen, maybe. Yeah, man. There you go. Know. Oh my! It is. Well, we are hot for teacher. What can we say? Oh. So it's just one of those things. Uh, we're lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. We just got done talking about Starman from 1984. 
uh, directed by John Carpenter, starring Jeff Bridges uh, and Karen Allen. This is our road trip episode. Up next, Paris, Texas, 1984, Wim Wenders, uh, starring Harry Dean Stanton, Dean Stockwell, and Nastasia Kinski. A brief, best way, this this isn't really the plot necessarily, but this is the best way I can describe it. Um, <laughs> Travis Henderson, played by Harry Dean Stanton, is an aimless drifter who's been missing, we find out, for four years, who wanders out of the desert uh, and must reconnect with society himself, his life. Uh, and his and his family um this was part of winder's obsession uh with the with the road movie this was the third in the road films that he did um and if y'all are not familiar with Wim winder's work i would point you towards you know wings of desire this film uh until the end of the world pina uh, the American friend. I could go on and on here. Uh, he is of the class of German uh, new wave directors, along with uh, uh, Foschbinder uh, and Werner Herzog. Um, if you're not familiar, of course, with Herzog, he he directed Klaus Kinski time and time again. God bless him. Uh, I think it's weird that Winders is working with the daughter in, in this film too. You know, with Nastasia Kinski. <laughs> Who I heard is, is was a much lovelier person than her father. <laughs> Let's hope so. Was. Yes, yes. If you want to see a really fascinating documentary, see my favorite fiend uh, that Werner Herzog did about uh, Klaus Kinski. It opens with one of my favorite things ever. Is like Klaus Kinski at some rally mm. in Germany, just like spewing out just hatred towards the audience. Mm. <laughs> Such a Mm. it is such a thing to to not listen to not and, a good and look not a good look at all um this film uh was written uh primarily by sam shepherd yes sir okay i agree what 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 do you what do you know about sam shepherd joey i know that he's a hell of a playwright and a hell of an actor and um i think his show uh a lie of the mind is incredible um He's done some great work, Fool for Love. Um, he's he's just done some True great West, stuff. Yeah. True West, yeah. I mean, he's he's just um gosh, when I when I think and and when I think about him, I I um I think American theater, you know, and I just yes. think just a giant, you know, in American theater from from a writer to a director to an actor to I mean, he's just done some incredible work. So so yeah, I mean, and I had forgotten as well that you know it'd been thirty years since I'd seen. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this was a this was basically a a, a first viewing. Almost. This was a real, real fresh viewing. I remembered very little about this movie and was really quite emotionally taken with it, triggered by it, um, you know, in a number of ways. So it was a, and I watched these back to back this time. So it was oh, you really got all, you got all the feels. Yeah, it my was friend. a really interesting process because I'd seen Starman so many times that when I watched it this time, I just watched it with the commentary track um, because I hadn't heard that in a while. And then I finished that and went straight to HBO Max and started Paris, Texas. And you know, later had to tell. I told you this. I think I texted you this. I was like, I had to go back and find the syllabus from my undergrad college experience where I saw it for the first time, which was in, in class. And we had to write about it. Um, this movie, Jeff is beautiful. 
I mean, and I know you're a Wenders guy. Like you mm-hmm. like his work a lot. I really do. You're, um, you know, you're you're very familiar with his work. Um, there was a documentary that I saw that he did something about lightning. What was the um, lightning? Uh, it was about how he had to go save director Nicholas Ray uh, okay. on a project. Um, it was, yeah. So he's the thing about vendors is great is that he does documentary and fiction as well as hers. That's him and Herzog. That's why they yeah. each other. Very they're well. just, yeah. yeah, they're just, they just do great work and they're always so fascinating, but here I get the sense that vendors is really getting to express and play and mature right at this point like mm-hmm. in this particular effort that he's trying to make i mean this is maybe the perfect road movie interesting even though right. even though they don't spend as much time on the road as you would think no it's a very specific a and b because path. it's a right 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 you know because they do spend time a lot of time in los angeles and then and then Houston. time uh, in Houston, um, and, and we I see just, a, we see know, a picture ahead. of Paris, Texas, right? You know, but that's what we come to find out is the plot that of there, land. There's a plot of land in Paris, Texas, where he was possibly where Harry Dean Stanton's character was possibly conceived. Travis was possibly conceived, and just the just the metaphor of that alone of trying to go back to the beginning to restart your life again is just so compelling to me like it's just like because they're like you can never go home again you know but could you go back to where you were conceived i mean that's an interesting question because it's just like there is a difference there between where your home was and where you were conceived Mm -hmm. so he so where do we start breaking this thing down Mm-hmm. Um, because Dean Stockwell, right? Mm-hmm. Who's playing the, the, is, the brother who is the successful brother who has is living in Los Angeles, who has taken the, the child, right? I mean, he's right. He's, Harry he's, Dean Stanton's character in Nastasia Kinski had a child. Uh, and then when that ends, uh, Travis disappears into the desert. She basically gives the child to Dean Stockwell and his wife to raise. So it's almost like we're starting where Starman ended, right? It's like this could be like <laughs> 10 years later. <laughs> Kids could Yeah, I mean it's I you know, I saw the irony so I started to pick up on the on the vibe and I'm like, okay, you know, so basically this dad is going to be forced to re or given the opportunity to almost kind of reinvent himself for his son because he was gone for what 4 years out of four the 4 years walking the desert before the introduction Uh, of him in this film i know it's 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 iconic like straight out of a western it's like fascinating yeah yeah Yeah. i I mean straight into camera and you know but i love the first quarter of this film because He's like a he's like a he's like a bird dog. Yeah, you know he wants to just keep keeps looking just off, keep looking, and he just keeps looking off into the distance and going. I gotta go. Yeah, you know I just I got I don't know why I just gotta go. Yeah, he's just you got know? that 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 restlessness of of knowing that 
there's something that he needs to be doing or there's some place that he needs to be or there's somebody that he needs to be with. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely get that sense of, of that uh, in some ways, just like Starman, you have to worry about his interactions, right, uh, with with other humans that don't necessarily know the context of what's going on, right? Um, right. Same thing here, right? I mean, that you know, I love it when he comes back <laughs> at the very beginning, comes back and the shower's on, you know, he's gone, right? He's just starting oh. walking down the right. Uh, and it leads to that amazing scene on those train tracks, right, where they're um, where they're discussing, like, you know, what life has presented him with. Um, and it's that that open expanse stuff, you know, juxtaposed against ca- those California mountains. I mean, it's, it's just such a I was so taken by the beauty of the movie this time uh, mm-hmm. and the cinematography. Uh, and I remember too in my notes, I'm looking at this. This um Kate Altman, no relation from what I can right. tell so far, was art direction on this movie. And I, th- some of that signage, some of those locations, some of that, I mean, it's just so good. I mean, it's so you just get such a rich texture of like what that town and culture is like. And you and I both know that those towns exist and that that, you know, sure. I mean it's this is not made up, right? You know, um, but laughing at the, you know, unleaded gas for a dollar sixteen, and seeing the old school logos of KFC and all this stuff that was just so authentic and rich mm-hmm. to those spaces in that time, um, you could tell that they were really trying to capture the the ambiance. Um, but the art direction of this movie is so good, um, and we don't we don't spend enough time talking about those skills and trades as as, as we should because they're so Correct. critical, especially in a movie like this where he's so conscientious of his composition. And fr- I mean, he's definitely that's a love language for him. You know, he is mm-hmm. some directors are different. It you know comes out in story, not so much in composition. But in this movie, for real, like the composition is speaking to you. It's it's telling well, this you is that- this is a movie that goes by the seat of its pants. Yeah. You know, narratively speaking, I mean, right. we don't we don't know when it's going to end. I mean, it could come unraveled all at once. And again, credit to uh, 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 Robbie Mueller, his yeah. his DP, his constant DP. I mean, the uphill battle he had to have in shooting in natural light out in the yeah. desert. My yeah. God. It just, it, it had to be an, a monumental task. Yeah. 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 Um, Carpenter said, I remember too, that in, in comparison that you know that truck scene when they're in the back of the truck and they're going through this oh, monument yeah. that's that's monument valley yep. they shot i didn't look to see um how many states paris texas was shot in like how many different locations i think just i think just in texas okay. i think it was shot just in texas okay so so starman shot in five different states you know right. it's just it's it's weird you know how road movie can also mean road for the crew and how you're, you know, you're going to lots of different cities and, and locations. Um, so, but yeah, you're right. So um, he spends it. We know he's on this journey. We're on this journey with him. And I think the, the tension is built really for me after you see him trying to sort of readjust and having, moderate success right um at uh, in los back in los angeles right like living with them and you know that one of my favorite moments is right after he's gotten there right 
he's shined everybody's shoes. Oh no! Right? He washed and, the dishes and, and shined everybody's the, shoes. Yeah, and... I mean, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's just one of those things where uh, he wants to contribute or be of. It's joyful, you know. Right? Yeah. It's this is how I show love. Right. Right. Exactly. Like I, I was gonna I say, still, it's a love language. I still love and, you. And, yeah. You know, I mean, we're talking about two. We're talking about brothers. You know, I yeah. have a brother. You have a brother. Yeah. I, I understand how hard it is to communicate those things to you know between brothers. It's yeah. it's you know, I, you know, it it is a male thing sometimes. You know, yeah. how do you how do we show affection for each other? You know, Dean Stockwell is struggling with it. You know, he wants to just like yell at him all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, he even catches himself at one point where he's just right. like, "God damn it!" You know, you haven't said a fucking word and i mean he's just like i'm sorry i just you know i don't know what to do here you know you came you've come wandering back into our lives and well and the the fear of you know what that's going to do uh to you know to his domestic situation because you know it's kind of been framed in a certain way for the kid and um you know that's a Huge adjustment too. I love that scene uh, where um, you know uh, the son is leaving the, the the school and he's with his little buddy and he's like, "That's my dad's brother. That's my other dad. That's my you know. How come yeah. you get two dads?" It's like, oh, I guess I'm just guess special or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just, like, <laughs> just lucky, I guess. It's just a great kid, you know. Great, great <laughs> moment. Um, but uh, so you, you know, but but the but the moderate success, he said, you could still tell that he's got to find out where she is and what happened well, can, to her can, and he's well, got can to get... he put the unit back together yeah you know is that possible yeah and the answer is no oh my god and that is such a painful painful scene to watch but we it's get to so... see it in, we get to see that that we get to see the, re, the 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 realization and then the resolution i know right? but it's so <laughs> just made me feel so bad because because you 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 get it though like i just you know it, and it, it it makes you re- i don't know if we should tell the audience more what we're if you've seen the movie you know what we're talking about but um but you you know you realize with him that no it's not this is this is not practical and and this isn't a rom-com so you know that's not going to just <laughs> magically way, have is, a montage and it's going to you know it's going to work is this is this the world's weirdest fetish house <laughs> it's pretty weird jeff i did i yeah. did i was paul schrader must have had a heyday with that you know, he was been like oh, i wanted this for hardcore um <laughs> but, but the, <laughs> where's george c scott um, <laughs> love that movie so uh it's yeah. all the girls are you too early all the girls are downstairs and then i'm like oh John Lurie, right yeah. I'm, like, I'm like i'm like oh okay so it's a different it's just a different like strip club down below. And then you're like, Oh no, no, this is, this is something totally different. I don't remember this at all. What year did I watch this in college? (laughs) I would get in so much trouble for showing this movie today in class. Um, I know. Right. It's yeah. It, it really uh, is creepy. And it's um, I think there's something that just reeked uh, like held over seventies kind of, 1970s kind of fetishes because um of the glass and and you know just being on the phone and 
uh, and you each know, room is a specific type of room. Like, yeah, like a one's hotel. One's a cafe, and a, one's a hotel, yeah, one's a beach side or a pool side. And it's, it's, um, so is it like the only thing that I could equate that to these days of just how the pornographic industry mm-hmm. has turned those things or scenarios rather into like video clips, right? And you do, I mean, right? It's the same kind of concept it's just now it's video and it's not in those live booths um well it's also it's also a question of intimacy and reality yes and it, separation it, and how yeah uh how know, much how much connectedness is disallowed right is is not um uh with, you, know, you with, can't even see the other person right on the other right end. within but also within a familiar space right yes. or a, a or a non-foreign space you know in this case that's why they're designing you know, each of the individual rooms to to resemble something else. You know, you'd feel more comfortable if this was a diner or a hotel room or yeah, right, right. I mean, it's yeah. it's such a weird. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it <laughs> I don't is. think we're describing it, it, it justice. It is. Well, it's just well, and it's almost you know that's the moment too where ironically, Jeff, you know, in a space where you're supposed to have this sort of disconnect and distance, you know, you actually have this incredible, because of the way he shoots it, you have this incredible amount of contained intimacy, right? Like they're locked into that two shot where she's looking at the mirror and he's turned away and they're, you know, and he's talking and she's talking and, and, but it's, but they're not even looking at each other, but they're so intimately connected. Right. Um, We don't get distance. Um, We get, connected um in that moment and so i think that added to the uncomfortableness and the unease right and the whole scenario um uh, so whatever was left over whatever excess was left over by the weirdness of the whole booth setup mm-hmm. was was you know quickly translated into awkwardness of just the intimacy and and for that moment to happen within that space mm-hmm it just added an extra layer of kind of ick, sadness, uncomfortableness, tragedy, um, what could have been. Um, yeah, the life you know, we could have and, had. Yeah, I mean, it really it really is, you know, that 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 that's that kind of cinema. At least that's how I was feeling when I was in that moment. And it's it's just shot so theatrically, you know, it's just got a very... Oh, yeah, of, it's, it's on the stage. Yeah, yeah. Right, like, yeah. I mean, and... and, and my heart breaks in a million little pieces when he goes, I'll tell you a story. It's going to be a little long though. You know, and just like, he's telling you the audience, he's letting you know, I'm about to tell you a very long story. So get ready. Well, yeah, I figured that's why they were both sort of in an odd way, looking at us. Right. They were, they were staring, facing the audience. Right. Right. You know, they're staring into camera, you know, and through, through reflective glass. And then, do you think this. do you Go think ahead. his documentary uh playfulness you know his his experience and expertise in documentary and his playfulness do you think it helps him in those moments to understand absolutely yeah to, yeah. to understand how to capture the moment and to understand you know I, I would be fascinated to know how many takes they actually did um you know if if they were able to nail it in a couple or if it became something that was a bit unwieldy and then they had to do some problem solving to try yeah. to figure out you know well okay well how are we going to do this or how am i going to cut this later or right how, you know, right 
how are we going to set all this up? You know, because the, the story, we finally get the story, right? We've been waiting for the story, the whole movie. And we finally learn that, you know, she wasn't that great and he was bad too. And they were both just at a point in their lives where sometimes we've all been. Mm-hmm. And this is what I love about Winder's work is that it's just like, we're human. You know what? It isn't perfect. It's fucking messy. And, uh, you know, credit Shepard here with the, with his, his story and his sensibilities. Yeah, you know, right. I, right. I, I mean, there's although, fault all around. There's fault all around. There's yeah. fault yeah. all around. Yeah. You know, um, there, there are no easy answers, but doing, doing the right thing in this instance for these characters is Travis making sure that the mother of his child and the child get back together. Mm-hmm. Like he realizes he's not part of the equation. Right. He's not meant to be part of the equation. He's right. Like I said, he's already looking off in the distance again. It's time to go. He right. knows it's time to go. Right. You know, where do you think he's going in the end? You think he's going to Paris? I would, th- I would like to think so. Right. You think, you think he'd, he'd find life there? I think maybe, I mean, I, he seemed to, to to think that there was hope there and i think that that's where you would naturally sort of go after you've had that kind of an experience as you would go where things are the most hopeful or provide the most opportunity maybe it goes back to his brother but i don't think so no how, how could he go back so. to his brother <laughs> uh, yeah i just don't i just don't think that's feasible um so yeah, I mean I, that's uh, to me that's the you know that's the easiest uh would be the easiest route. Um but I, yeah, I mean it, it you and I have both uh experienced that in life where we've had to you know walk away and just realize that you know this is this for the best of 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 everybody and there's you know there's fault to go around there's you know guess what you get multiple bad guys, you know you get multiple bad people. Mm-hmm. Um uh you don't get the single lone nut joker uh bad no, villain yeah. you uh don't you get don't the bad, no. say goodnight to the bad guy uh every yeah <laughs> every, here he comes <laughs> everybody has has made mistakes here and um you know i think that's what makes it so tragic and and, and emotional and painful at the end you know because he's he is making that choice but it's the right choice and um it's painful it's painful yeah. um did you did you find yourself getting emotional oh yeah yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I of, yeah. I always just, weep when I watch yeah. Paris Texas. Yeah. It made me it made me uh to, uh you know, it made me think of my own father. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. who did step away and 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 hasn't come back and in some instances uh it's uh it's probably a good thing because um he stayed away, right? I mean and and if if he had re-entered at some point, it probably would have created some kind of chaos similar to, you know, what uh, happened in this movie. That's why I was telling you, like, this movie, the revisit of this movie, having the perspective that I have now in my life, uh, it hit different, you know, and and um, uh, and and I still found it incredibly beautiful. I think we found a double feature. I really do. Absolutely. Absolutely for the classes. I th- yeah, I, th- I would wholeheartedly support that. Uh, uh, because they're complicated movies they on the surface they may seem very simplistic uh, i can't wait to hear students talk about how slow paris texas moves and 
how fast Starman moves and how slow, you know, Paris, Texas moves. But, you know, um, but they both, these two films do speak to each other. And I think there's, you know, a lot more to be sort of pulled out of, of the connection between the two of them. And that's where the students come in. You know, they, they, they do, they start to see things that we didn't and they start to pull things out that we never saw. And um, that, yeah, I think it's a good, I think it's a good pairing. I think it's, I think it needs to go on the syllabus. Well, we would be very interested to hear your thoughts and opinions, uh, not just on today's show, but on um, any of the shows uh, in the back catalog. You can get in touch with us a number of ways. You can email us, lonelyphds at gmail.com. You can go over to our Discord. Just click on the link in our show notes. You can get in touch with us over there. As always, please, uh, we uh, kindly ask you, dear listener, uh, subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple, Podbean, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. It does help us out a great deal uh, in determining uh, uh, where you, uh, where all you folks are. And we also, we would like to say, hey, now we're, we're uh, um, you know, social creatures. I would say that's safe to say. Richard, <laughs> you should talk to us. Yeah, reach we out. Won't, we won't bite. We'll shout back. We'll talk yeah. back. We'll crack we'll back, go, as the kids yeah. say. You know, we'll go have a grimace shake. How about that? Good old Grimace. A nice purple, naturally purple colored milkshake to celebrate a good old Grimace. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Dr. Jeffrey Harris. I'm Dr. Joseph Watson. We'll catch you then. Thank you.